What is up, everybody? I am so excited to be here. If I have not met you yet, my name is Anna. And if you know me at all, uh, there's few places in life that I am not excited to be at. Some of those places are the dentist, the eye doctor, the DMV, and literally anywhere before 9 a.m. Um, so I don't know if you saw my husband's message a couple Sundays ago. I would recommend you go back and watch it. It was amazing. But he had the audacity to, you know, put out some things that he learned during our pregnancy. Um, so I would like to formally say rookie move, honey, because now I'm here. <laughs> and I would like to talk about the things that I've learned. So just to recap the things that he learned, one, he said an empty bowl does not mean that I'm finished, obviously. Two, wants and needs are all needs. Three, when your wife orders hot dog buns, make sure she also orders hot dogs. Hilarious, right? So I would like to talk about what I have learned. So the thing about um, wants being needs, honestly, it's news to me that he didn't learn that in year one because that's always been a thing. Number two, the reason that I was ordering hot dogs to begin with is because I didn't know my husband could cook his own food. I have been making food for eight years now, and I just learned that he can actually cook more than eggs. Here we are, guys. And his list was actually really funny, though. But it, it made me laugh, and we do a lot of laughing in our house, especially when he lets me tell the jokes. So back to our regularly scheduled Bible study. What I am most excited about is actually the Bible, seriously. Like, for me to actually be up here, I hated reading the Bible when I was young. Like, I was one of the teenagers that were like, eh, you know, I'm just going to, like, live life the way that I want to live life, and I'll repent on my deathbed, and God and I will be straight, right? So that actually didn't work out so well for me. I ended up living the most depressing, anxiety-ridden, fearful, sad, and chaotic existence. So it was great. I highly recommend it. Um, I remember this one time, Clayton and I had just started dating, and it was like a month after I turned 22, and he said um, that he wanted to start reading the Bible together as a couple. And I may or may not rolled all of my eyes, but... Great thing is, we were long distance. I was in Atlanta, he was in Nashville, so he never saw it, and I'm pretty sure that's why he still married me. I love you, honey. <laughs> so needless to say, in nine years, I have come a long way. Turns out, the Bible isn't as boring and um, out of touch as I thought, and God is pretty up close and personal, and he actually wants me to have an amazing life. It's pretty cool. So let's jump into this week's parable, Matthew 18, 21 through 35, the unmerciful servant or the unforgiving debtor, depending on what your version is. So, <clears throat> then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. 
Then his master was filled with pity for him, some versions say compassion, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, this is a very heavy parable. Jamaica, I'm actually surprised I picked this one. <laughs> is it too late to change? Um, but I think the one thing that really stood out to me in all of this was that the unmerciful servant left the king's presence carrying something he was never designed to carry. He wasn't designed to carry the weight of unforgiveness, whether that be him not forgiving himself for messing up or not forgiving um, others who he deemed tripped him up. There's certain things in life that we are not designed to carry. So listen, if you haven't heard by me being out of breath or, you know, uh, seeing this, this big thing going on. I am very, very pregnant. We have about like eight or nine weeks until we meet our son and I'm so excited. But also, this is the way that God's been revealing things to me. So until we have our son, this is going to be the revelation that we get. Um, so my body is designed to carry the weight of pregnancy. Clayton and I went for a walk a couple or Saturdays ago um, for the first time in a couple weeks because of the smoke from all of the fires. And the amount that our son weighs now compared to a couple weeks prior is insane. So I'm literally walking the whole time, either holding my stomach or holding my back. And it's just, it's heavy. And then, then there's something called pregnancy brain. I don't know if you've heard of pregnancy brain, but it's an actual real thing. There's actual scientific proof that four out of five women's brains experience a bit of brain cell reduction during pregnancy. And somehow I saved three women because I think I took on your uh, pregnancy brain as well. So, um, yeah, there it is. There it is right now. I lost my place. There we go. You're welcome, but I cannot make this stuff up. So all of this to say, if something that I am designed to carry causes all of this, can you imagine the ramifications of choosing to carry the weight of something you are not designed to carry? So let's just start out with some scientific ramifications, shall we? There is an actual study done by Dr. Swartz, who is the director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at Johns Hopkins Hospital say that 10 times fast. And she found there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. 
Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. So not only is this an incredible principle, but it's biologically proven to improve your health. Now what about spiritual ramifications? A few chapters before this in Matthew 6, Jesus had just taught the disciples um, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And in it, he teaches, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Our debtors are simply people that owe us something, money, an apology, etc. Super easy to just skim past that line. But it simply means with the same measure that you forgive others, God forgives you. Not so easy to skim past now. Which makes sense when Jesus is reiterating at the end of the parable, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. It's like people like you and like me who are choosing to grow and live life with Jesus. It's not just Jesus being tough on people, but him letting us know if you go down this path, you have brothers and sisters. You are not grafted into an extra large family. And you're going to definitely need to learn how to forgive from your heart. So just remember, yes, they are your brothers and sisters, but they are also very human, as are you. So we're all going to mess up. People are going to royally offend us. People are going to hurt us. People are going to let us down. It's inevitable. It's life. We live in a broken world, but you can choose to hold your future captive or you can proceed into your future. So we've talked about forgiving others. So let's talk about forgiving ourselves. So I love the definition of forgiveness used in this parable, to not allow to hinder, to go away leaving something behind, to leave one by not taking him as a companion. Making sense? So once you decided to accept and experience true forgiveness, who you were and all that you were carrying yesterday is dead and gone. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A new creation. When is something, or when was the last time something was created from nothing? when God created the heavens and the earth and the plants and the animals and us. Did those things exist before he created them? No. So with that context, once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the person you become never existed before. So my question is, why are you carrying the weight of something that happened in a previous person's life? Stop going through life with unforgiveness as your travel companion. God has forgiven each and everything you've done, are doing, are going to do. He forgave the decision before you made it. When I was growing up, I took karate lessons. And it was the best, unless I was in trouble. And when I was a kid, I had a habit of getting into trouble. It was, it was fine. It was fine. We lived with my grandparents, and um, I had a relative that lived there with us, and he was a little bit younger than me, and we were constantly just picking at each other. You know, how kids do. And 
I don't necessarily remember everything that he did to me, but I remember everything that I did to him because I thought long and hard on how I was going to retaliate. And <laughs> there were times when, you know, I'd try to like glue him to a chair or maybe we'd be playing like tug of war and I would like let go of my side of the rope at the like, really opportune moment. Um, and there was this one time where we were riding bikes and you know, I just wanted to stop him mid-bike ride, so I stuck a stick in his spoke. I mean, how was my nine-year-old self supposed to know he would go flying over the handlebars and hurt himself? <laughs> so, needless to say, I got in trouble a lot. And just wait until my grandmother found out. The next time we were in karate class, she would tell one of our instructors, and whoever the guilty party was at that moment, we would have some sort of discipline. And there was one that one form of it that was particularly awful. So you'd have two people who would take off their belts and they would sit across from each other and hold the belts. And I would have to jump in between the belts for however long that the instructor wanted or however many times or whatever. And you know, any other child that was jumping between belts would probably be sorry. Probably, you know, want to apologize and never do it again to never be back in that place again. But me, I was, you know, quietly planning my revenge between each jump because it, it was his fault that I was there, right? And uh, if I touched a belt, then I would have to start over. And you better believe that the people holding the belts would let our instructor know if I touched a belt. And, of course, my revenge wasn't just for what he did. It was for how he made me react. It was for how he put me in this position, how he made my legs feel like jello. So he got to know exactly how I felt, which would obviously bring me right back to the same exact place, doing the same exact thing. Sound like a cycle that we get in? So we are not designed to carry this weight because, but pregnancy brain. So who is designed to carry this weight? Because it's a real, it's a real weight. It is a real weight and somebody's got to carry it. So who? I hope you said Jesus in the chat. It's, it's Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Um, he's the only one. He's the only one. Um, now, this is going to take a minute to unpack, but I really want you to like just lean into this. We're going to jump to John chapter 20. Jesus had just died. Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb early Sunday morning, and they didn't find Jesus' body there. She went and got Peter and John, and they ran and saw that he was gone too, but they went home, and she stayed and wept. So John 20, 11 through 17, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. 
Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Now in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him, God made Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus had become our sin. He had taken it on him and not yet ascended to the Father for the full forgiveness of what he had so willingly become. But why add that part of not recognizing Jesus and thinking he was the gardener? She had walked with Jesus for years. She knew him. She knew his voice. But what was different about this time? So some scholars believe it's because she was crying and that the tears were, you know, blocking her from noticing Jesus. But she recognized the angels just fine. And I believe it might have to do with something that he was still carrying, the sin of the world. Our physical body is not designed to carry that. And I don't know if you've ever done any gardening, but when I do gardening, which I have not done in, I don't, have I ever, I've never gardened. (laughs) (laughs) But I would come out looking like, you know, a hot sweat, sweaty, dirty mess. That's probably what I would look like. And so Jesus was carrying the weight of the world on his physical body. So could it be that he was quite literally carrying unforgiveness because he had not yet ascended to the Father who would forgive all the sins he was carrying? Now, this is completely my opinion, so take it as you will. But... Is it possible that the weight of the world was so heavy on his human body that it had altered his physical appearance? He was fully God, but still fully man and somehow spiritually designed to carry what was too heavy for any of us to carry. So now we know all of the ramifications. We know who is actually designed to carry the weight. So why... Why, 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 why do we still choose to carry it? Because it feels good, right? It feels good. Eve looked at the fruit in the garden and she saw that it looked good. It didn't matter the ramifications. It didn't matter that God said, hey, if you eat of this, you'll surely die. Obviously, we now know that the, it was like a spiritual death. But how many times do we look at things that God says and think he's just ruining our fun? How many times do we think that, but he's honestly just trying to save us heartache and pain? It feels good to seemingly take back any control that somebody else might have taken from you. But picture this. Holding on to unforgiveness is basically focusing so hard on it and walking backwards into your future. So you literally can't see where you're going. All of our senses are backwards. They're not functioning how they were designed to function. Not only are we going to be 
you know, tripping over triggers that God is probably going to be warning us about. But we can't see anything. That feels so good, huh? Do you um, drive your car facing backwards? So if we don't do that, then why are we cruising full speed ahead in life, all while focusing on grudges from way back when? So, and I can talk about this all day long, because y'all should have seen my grudge holding techniques back in the day. (laughs) Oh yeah, unparalleled. So not only were my hands full, but I was stuffing grudges in my pockets, in my shoes, in my hair. I had, (laughs) I was definitely an unforgiveness hoarder. Um, I had collections of unforgiveness. It was, it was great. I lived in the land of triggers. It was, it was amazing. But one interaction with the king of kings and everything changed. Everything I walked in carrying, I left there and I walked out a different person. Can I submit to you that our guy in the parable had already locked himself in a prison of his own making before the king actually threw him in prison? By carrying things that we are not designed to carry, we are judge and jury and sentence ourselves from a day to a lifetime of imprisonment. So, lastly, in the parable it says that our guy was initially brought to the king, signifying that he didn't want to go. He didn't want to be there. It doesn't feel good to forgive. It feels like the other person that hurt us somehow won. It feels like we might have to put ourselves back in an emotionally unhealthy state or relationship. But real quick, I want to touch on what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not getting back into an abusive relationship. Forgiveness is not putting yourself back into a toxic cycle with another person. Forgiveness does not mean having to engage with a person you're forgiving in order to tell them they're forgiven. And forgiveness does not mean having to be best friends with someone who wronged you, caused you immense pain, or deceived you over and over again. We have the permission. We have the in. We have the ability to literally come to God and in his presence, just lay it at his feet. He'll take care of it. He knows it's delicate. He knows it's attached to some heartstrings. He knows. But he's designed to carry it. Because wouldn't it be ridiculous for me to tell Clayton he has to carry our son in his body? So even though I'm designed to carry, he said yes. Even though I'm designed to carry him, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll just like write you up a manual or something. You just, you just figure it out on your own. It's, it's fine. But sometimes I feel like that's how we think God does it. It's not a figure it out on your own. It's a, I want to do this with you. Sometimes we think maybe he doesn't want to carry it. But I bet you if our guy in the parable had gone to the king and initially said, man, I am having a hard time with this, the king would have helped him. The king would have said, let me carry it. Jesus says, come to him, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and he will give you rest. 
He will literally take your burden off of you and give you rest. He took all of this on and died so we don't have to carry it. What you're carrying right now, he's already taken care of. So you can lay it down and walk in the fullness of all God has for you. And tomorrow, when someone gets under your skin, because they will, trust me, forgive them. It's, if you think unforgiveness feels good, you won't believe how good forgiveness feels. It's just one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. But I'm gonna challenge you to choose to leave this weight in the presence of God tonight and leave changed. So I wanna pray real quick. God, I just thank you so much for your people. I thank you for the gift of forgiveness. I thank you that you forgave us first so we can then in turn forgive others. I just ask that you would strengthen the people that want to forgive tonight, that you would strengthen their resolve, that you would let them know that they can do this. You would let them know that it might feel impossible, but they can do this. I ask that you'd be with them, you'd wrap your arms around them, and you'd let them know that they're not in this alone, but they got you. In your name I pray, amen, amen. This is amazing. I told you I love studying the Bible, so I loved this. Stay tuned for the discussion questions right after this, and we'll see you on Sunday, guys. <laughs>